turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Abraham Lincoln warned that the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. Would you like to know what's being taught in today's classrooms? Welcome to Say What? with attorney Mark Schneider and Pastor George Roska Jr. They'll explore the issues facing children, parents, and society as a result of the public schools and the forces behind them. Say What? is the radio program of Protect Our Kids, which seeks to inform and equip concerned citizens about the looming crisis in American education. So listen in as your hosts, Mark Schneider and George Roska Jr., unpack the issues and organizations affecting our children. And now here's your hosts, Mark Schneider and George Roska Jr. Well, hello, everybody. I'm Mark Schneider, and I want to welcome you to today's episode 114 of Say What?, where we talk about the threats to our children in the public school system, including activist school boards and the power they hold over our children. My colleague, Pastor George Roska Jr., is out for the next couple of weeks when he'll return. In the meantime, I am very privileged to have as my guest someone who knows something about school boards, having been elected to that role in last year's election for a seat in the Orange Unified School District, which is in the heart of Orange County, California. Welcome, Madison Miner. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. And thank you uh, for taking the time to join us on Say What this morning. Madison, before we begin, I think um, I need to get out a few facts about uh, the Orange Unified School District. Correct me if I'm wrong with any of these. The OUSD, as it's known, is an urban district in Orange County. Orange County has a little over 3 million people living in it um, that educates approximately 26,000 preschool through 12th grade students. Uh, There are approximately 47 schools in the district, which includes 28 elementary schools, eight middle schools, and five high schools, and serving the cities of Orange, Villa Park, Anaheim, Garden Grove, Santa Ana, and some incorporated areas as well. And the board consists of seven members, including yourself. Yeah, that, that's pretty. There's a couple of tweaks, but approximately was a, a good use for okay. the words for the amount of kids in the schools and stuff like that. Fantastic. Well, Madison, tell us a little bit about yourself. What made you decide to run for school board? So back in 2016, I had a toddler who was about two years old. I had a newborn and my husband and I were surprised pregnant with a third. And so we we're going to church and a, a gal from my church came up to me one day and said, Hey, you should start going to school board meetings. You know, your kids are almost of age and uh, you're getting to the point where you should probably be more knowledgeable and more informed. And so I, you know, quickly told her, no, I'm not, I'm not into politics. I'm just a mom that's trying to stay in my lane. And my mom did all that. She served, you know, PTA, PTSA, moms in touch. And uh, maybe I'll get involved in those later. But at this point, I'm just going to focus on raising an exorbitant amount of kids in a short amount of time. <laughs> uh, as a mom should do. Yeah. You'd had no prior political experience whatsoever. 
No, no. I uh, I <laughs> kind of ran for school positions in my high school and, and middle school to do some sort of leadership roles. But beyond that, no, it was, it was a very new thing to me. And uh, I went to my first school board meeting in Orange Unified back in 2016. I believe it was... I'm going to say probably March or April of Mm -hmm. 2016, and it was right when they were trying to put out the former sex ed curriculum Mm -hmm. that actually didn't pass, but that was the first board meeting I'd ever been to, and I was pretty shocked. It was a wake-up call. Yeah. Yeah. And by way of reminder for our audience, um, there obviously, and George and I have talked about this many times, a series of laws that have been passed in California to indoctrinate our children into sex and gender theory. Uh, the most infamous, perhaps, is AB 329, which was made law in 2015 and went into effect in 2016, which requires that all middle schools and high schools teach what is called a, a program in comprehensive sexuality education. It's discretionary in uh, elementary schools, but a lot of elementary schools um, have decided to uh, go ahead and teach this material. And I guess you saw some evidence of this at that board meeting. I, I don't know if I necessarily saw the evidence at that board meeting, but the curriculum itself it was scientifically errant. It was very perverse. There mm. were terms in that. I, I remember waddling down with my very pregnant belly to the school district because you had to go down there to read the books. And I remember going down thinking, oh, you know, it's probably not as bad as they say. And I walked down there and read, sat down, read the book. And I had to use my phone to look up some of the terminology. I didn't even know what some of the things were that they were listing in this book that they yeah. were actually recommending for kids to experiment with. And so I'm I'm grateful that one didn't pass, but it does seem like there's a lot of leniencies when it comes to supplemental curriculum that teachers can use in classrooms. And so 2016, you attended this board meeting, and is that when you decided I need to become more involved in, uh, in policing or, or asserting my parental rights and what's happening in the school district? So funny enough, that was actually the first time I'd ever met George, and he was up there speaking and spoke about his history in Romania and how he grew up in, in that country and what he experienced coming out here. And so I, I just remember how inspiring he was, and I started following the Informed Parents Facebook group, and that's kind of how I stayed involved for a little bit, mm. reading those posts, reading the news articles, and following that, but also still attending board meetings um, with all three of, well, soon to be three of my kids. And that's kind of how it started for me politically, but it was more of just trying to be informed. Now, as I understand it, you are a native Californian. You've born and raised in the state. You've lived here all your life, except for a brief excursion, I guess, to Texas to attend Texas A&M University. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Welcome back to California. (laughs) And we need all the conservatives that we can get here. So you decided to run, uh, you mounted your own campaign, and um, you did win by a pretty slim margin. How many votes were cast in your favor, do you you recall? Well, I don't remember the votes cast. I do know that the difference was 221 votes. Wow. So it was a very slim margin. I'm very humbled to even been given the opportunity to run, let alone uh, beat such a a long-time incumbent. And what was the experience like of actually running for school board? Because on our program, we encourage parents 
to cons- strongly consider running for board. That That's the way that real change is going to happen in American public education because a lot of power consists in the boards themselves. I don't think parents really realize how much power local school boards have in administering what is actually taught in the classroom. And I guess just as importantly today, what is not taught. So what was the experience like in running for school board? Well, it's a very good weight loss mechanism. (laughs) (laughs) We just kind of, we, I say we, because there was a lot of parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles that surrounded me and lifted Mm. me up and prayed for me and supported me financially, supported me physically, going walking with me. We, We really wanted to emphasize the grassroots campaign. And what that means, what I learned, because I, again, I'm not a politician, um, but what I'm learning and what I've learned through the experience is if you walk and knock on doors and you look people in the face and you tell them who you are and you tell them what you stand for and you explain what it is that you want to do that's going to improve the educational system, I don't, I didn't care uh, what their political affiliation was. I didn't care what, you know, signs they had posted on their windows or on their doors, obviously beyond the don't solicit me. <laughs> but, you know, if they had something that maybe opposed what I believe in, I still went to their door and I knocked on every door and had conversations, hard conversations, some that maybe lasted longer than my campaign advisor would have recommended mm-hmm. I spent at that door. But I just really felt strongly that a lot of folks don't know what it is that's going on in the school boards, in the school district. A lot of folks, like you said, don't know the power that a school board member can have to make good changes. Yeah. And so I was really adamant about not being biased on who I informed and on who I I spoke to. Mm. You know, some of my my volunteers and myself, we we were given very strong opinions by some neighbors that we knocked on the doors of. But I can imagine. Yeah, but you know what? It was it was worth it, and 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 maybe we turned five people in a different direction. I felt like we were doing the right thing by not being exclusive on who we. Uh, knocked on the door of. Um, we knocked on just around, uh, we lost count at one point because our app stopped working, the Sidekick app, but we knocked on about 45,000 doors. Oh my word. Wow. In uh, two months. In and two months period of time. How many volunteers yeah. did, did you have, or do you even know the number? Honestly, I, I, I lost count of that number too. I, I would say on a consistent basis, probably 15 strong, but there were I'd say no less than 70, 80 people that walked for me at, at some point. Maybe it was just one time, but even that one time makes yeah. a huge difference because you click off those houses that you've hit and then you're able to move on to the next street or the next neighborhood. And so every individual helped. I had grandparents out there in their 80s that were knocking on doors. And, you know, I had I had my own kids uh, knocking on doors every once in a while, too, obviously with my supervision. But I'd stand in the middle of the street and hand them a flyer and say, OK, go. And I'd watch as they yeah. knocked on the door just to make sure that they were safe. Well, obviously, Madison, your message got traction. Otherwise, you would not have had one. You were completely unknown. As you mentioned, you had no political experience. Uh, you were a fresh faced person out there on the streets uh, getting your message out. And, and it prevailed. So when did you actually take office? What was the date you took office in, in the oh, Orange Unified? I really need to remember this date. I believe it was December 13th. Okay. Uh, it was at a board meeting in December. 
and my opponent didn't concede. And so it had to go all the way to the Orange County Supervisors meeting. And so that's, I went to it and that's when they received and accepted the results of the election. Because it was so close, 221 votes. Well, I think for the entire, they accepted the results for the entire. Oh, the entire election. Election, Mm -hmm. yeah. And so when that happened, then the next board meeting, I believe it was two days later, because I believe that was a Tuesday. So on a Thursday uh, is when that's when the results were said. And then I was able to to take office to take my oath and took the pictures and sat at the, the dais for the first time. And it was very surreal. It was very surreal sitting in that seat versus sitting in the, the padded seats uh, down on the on the floor for the first time. I can only imagine. Um, so this election also changed the composition of the school board in Orange Unified. So it went from being, I don't know how you would term it, a more liberal, more progressive in orientation. Um, and based on the results of this election, it turned into a conservative board. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, I would say that. Yeah. Yes. So what's it been like to be on the board? Is it what you expected? I mean, it's not exactly picking flowers. It's uh, It has its moments. The first board meeting that I went to after I was uh, sworn in, it was a special meeting, and, and we did fire our superintendent and put our assistant superintendent on paid administrative leave. And so I would say we started off on a pretty rocky uh, note. I I campaigned with that, saying that change was needed. And mm. so, um, you know, I wasn't in on the conversation that the, the other conservatives might have had. But uh, it's been very tumultuous. It's been it's been tough. It's been, you know, a lot of name calling. I've been dubbed a Christian extremist. I've been called a um, uh, just the extremist word, I guess. But uh, MAGA Barbie was one of the ones that I was called, which is interesting. Just a bunch of very brash names from folks, which I can take name calling. I've played sports my whole life, so I'm used to I'm used to that. But you have to have a thick skin. You for have this. to have a thick skin because really I, I think being a people pleaser. This is that's been the hardest thing for me. Is I'm I'm a big people pleaser, so mm. I want to make everyone happy mm-hmm. and. You know, I sat there for two years from 2020 through 2022. I sat there in the parent seats asking, begging for, for change, for things to, to go a different direction and felt like I was unheard. And so when I took this office, that's something that I promised I would do is I would listen to every voice that came up and spoke at the podium, no matter what their opinion was, no matter what they called me. And most of them are very, very rude, but there are some that, you know, want to actually have an adult conversation, and I appreciate that. But I told myself I would listen to them because I was also passionate in the opposite way and felt like my voice was never heard. I felt like my opinion didn't matter and my my children didn't matter. Mm. And so I, I, you know, I represent a parent, and so I wanted to make sure as a parent that, these other parents were also having their voices heard. Whether we agree or disagree, that's a different issue, but at least I'm listening and I'm going to take it into consideration even if, you know, it's maybe something that we don't decide on. What a wonderful attitude. Well, Madison, most parents have heard of the problems in the public schools but don't want to believe it's happening in their particular school. 
I mean, you cannot listen to talk radio. You can't watch the nightly news without hearing about the latest episode happening in the public school system. But uh, obviously parents, you know, so most of them are restricted in their ability to send their children to a non-public school. So it's just human nature to want to believe that, well, I, I know some things are happening out there, but it's not happening in my school district or it's not happening in my school. Can you talk a little bit about what you discovered concerning curriculums in the Orange Unified School District? I, I know that... Um, for example, you, you sent us along some slides of some sex ed material, and maybe that's the place where we can start a little bit. Um, that's just the tip of the iceberg. I know you you found that library books had been miscategorized, um, that uh, obviously there there's some other curriculums that are really of concern uh, that are happening in the Orange Unified School District, and that's just a representative of school districts across the country. Let's talk a little bit about these slides which you presented to me. What, where did you discover these? And this has to do with the sex, sex education policy in Orange Unified. Is this for middle school, high school, or what? So these slides that I sent were uh, given to me by a parent who was walking by her student in the kitchen and looked over the student's shoulder and saw what was her homework assignment? And it was it was these questions. Um, and how talking. old were the kids? Uh, she was a freshman in okay. in high school, okay. so she was 14, 14, 14 years, years old. old. Yeah, and and the mom never knew about this homework assignment. She knew her daughter was in health class, but uh, she didn't realize that this was part of the curriculum. And in fact, uh, this is a supplemental curriculum that goes along with. The curriculum that you can go down and view in the at the school district, and so she she wasn't aware of this survey or whatnot, whatever you want to call it, homework assignment uh, that her daughter was given. So by law, according to AB three twenty nine, parents have to be notified as to their rights to opt their children out of these kinds of materials. So we don't know if this parent uh, had received that notice or if they had taken any steps. Regardless. Their child was, was now being exposed to this instruction, and I'll just read what's what's on the uh, the screen here. What defines gender in twenty five words or fewer? What factors do you think have most influenced your gender identity? And then there's another screen that talks about uh, other sexual orientations in thirty five words or fewer. How is sexual orientation different from? gender. An individual might self-identify as having a sexual orientation other than heterosexuality, homosexuality, or bisexuality. Here are three other examples of sexual orientations. And then the next slide shows um, sort of a matrix where they give descriptions and then the labels for those descriptions, including bisexual, asexual, Curious for questioning homosexuals, and the student apparently is supposed to match the descriptions with the appropriate label. Um, and then a- another slide that goes into deeper about sexual orientation, again with the labels. Finally, they talk about uh, stereotypes. Uh, we've seen this over and over at Protect Our Kids, where um, traditional conservative views of sexuality are viewed as negative stereotypes, and we can see this here in the teaching material, a stereotype 
is a widely held, usually simplistic opinion about a complex subject, thing, or group of people. When it comes to sexuality, there are many stereotypes. Explore these examples of negative stereotypes. And the slides just go on and on. And this is just one example of the kinds of curriculums uh, that you've discovered at work in the Orange Unified School District. Yeah, and a lot a lot of these curriculums, a lot of these kind of documents have been given to me by parents. Uh, they're not necessarily ones that I found on my own. Uh, and so that's pretty alarming that parents are just now coming out of the woodworks and seeing, hopefully seeing, and that's why they're giving me these these documents, oh, here's someone that's going to stand up and fight for yeah. uh, for my family, for my rights, for my kids. And so uh, along with this one, I've been given a social studies book that was for, a, I believe, a sophomore in high school, and six pages were dedicated to the BLM movement, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. And, you know, in the pictures, you can see the F word written, F the police, uh, I'm not going to say it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you can see one side of a narrative. You can see one side of a of an argument that, you know, the BLM movement was something that happened because of what happened back in June of 2020. And so, yes, that is historical. That did happen. I don't disagree that that did happen and it should be documented. But there's no... There's no counter narrative. There's no argument on the other side. There's, there's nothing that says, okay, but this is what police officers do well. And so it feels like they're, they're giving one side of a, of a conversation piece for children that they're seeing, you know, this BLM is a good thing, but then they're seeing police as a bad thing and they're not seeing anything else on the, for the other side. So all that is to say they're giving kids one, one argument. And if, if I'm a student, if I'm, you know, a sophomore in high school and I'm hearing this over and over, police are corrupt, police are bad, police do, you know, racist or whatnot things, you start believing it because you're not hearing anything else. Mm. And yeah, you know, your parents at home can be teaching you as well. But when you're in school for eight hours a day, nine hours a day, five days a week, and that's what you're exposed to. And maybe your parents, you know, aren't aware of what you're being taught. That to me is very biased. And, uh, one family in particular that I can tell you their, uh, their child was in high school. And when there was a beheading of a police officer, I believe it was in Ohio, a student, uh, a peer of this student turned to this child and said, I wish that was your dad and her dad happened to be a police officer. And so for, for that to happen in this classroom, you know, that's shameful. That's, it is. that's terrible. Yeah, it's beyond the pale. Yeah. Well, so, Madison, yeah. you've only been in office for such a short time and um, you've uncovered a lot of things that you were un- suspected, but were unaware of actually happening until you saw the evidence firsthand. And your brief tenure there has not been without controversy. In fact, we don't have time to talk about it on uh, this week's segment, but we're going to address it in next week's segment uh, because you're the subject of a recall uh, election. 
So I want to encourage our listening audience to please come back for part two of this discussion with uh, board member Madison Miner. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today, but thank you for joining us on Say What? Uh, please remember to go to our website, protectourkidsnow.org, um, where you can find just a host of materials that talk about the subjects and uh, concerns that we've raised today in this discussion. Well, Madison, thank you very much. And I know you're going to hang on here so we can continue our discussion. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Bye, everybody. You've been listening to Say What? The radio ministry of Protect Our Kids, where they seek to inform and equip concerned citizens about the crisis in American public education and the forces working against our children. Join us at this same time every Saturday as attorney Mark Schneider and Pastor George Roska Jr. unpack the issues so that we can better safeguard our nation's children. For more information about this program or Protect Our Kids, email the show at info at protectourkidsnow.com. That's info at protectourkidsnow.org. And join Mark and George right here next week at this same time for another episode of Say What?